Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice and said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of these things that they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man came, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. Here ends our gospel lesson. Praise to you. Please be seated. In some ways, Transfiguration Sunday, well, sorry, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, in some ways, Transfiguration Sunday seems relatively straightforward. Jesus was in the presence of God, just like Moses on Mount Sinai, and his appearance shone brightly, with clothes dazzling white as a result. It is sort of a spiritual matter of fact. Being in God's presence changes us to shine more brightly to the world around us. Fair enough? Got it? What more is there to say? Well, I'm pretty sure we could actually go on for a while about this one. We have Moses and Elijah appearing at Jesus' side. Moses represented not only himself, but the whole tradition of the Torah, that is God's teaching and God's law, the Ten Commandments, the holiness codes, and Jewish Jewish rules for righteous living. Elijah represented not only himself, but the whole company of prophets, 
who spoke God's truth to the powers that be, as well as to the people of God over the centuries. These two were heroes of the faith in their own right, yes, but they also represented the faith, traditions, and movements of God's people as a whole. When they showed up at Jesus' side, they proved that he had the power of the past, the power of what God had done for the people before on his side. It's very significant when you think about it. With this past in mind, I'm also struck by the specific comparisons with Jesus' transfiguration and that of Moses on Mount Sinai, as we read about in our first lesson for this week. When Moses went up the mountain to receive the law and speak directly to God, his face was also transfigured. He radiated with the glory and the power of the one that he had been speaking with. He shone with the brilliance and righteousness that the recently enslaved Hebrew people had never encountered before. He shone so brightly, in fact, they had to put a veil over his face to keep from getting blinded when they looked at him. They put the glory of God's, uh, the glory of God's presence reflected off of Moses' face in magnificent, unmistakable ways just as it would at Jesus' transfiguration centuries later. Now, the comparisons between Moses and Jesus' experience, uh, experiences on the mountain help us to see that God moves consistently in our lives over time. When we encounter God's presence in our lives, we are changed in ways that make us appear differently to those around us. When we see God in our midst, we are able to look beyond the here and now more profoundly and wholly. It often shows attitudes of faith, hope, peace, joy, and love often emanate most clearly from those who encounter God regularly and up close in their lives. And many who walk with God are changed, transformed even, by the journey. And that transformation often is apparent to others around us. <clears throat> however, there's always a however with me, right? <laughs> however, we should also pay attention to where this journey led our forebears in the faith after their transformations. In this case, both Moses and Jesus. From Mount Sinai, Moses would have to confront his own people as they turned their hearts from the God who had just liberated from the, them from their chains in Egypt to follow the false god of their neighbors, Baal. Then his transformation in the presence of God would next lead him to 40 years of wandering through the desert wilderness with the Israelites, a people that the Bible repeatedly tells us were hard-hearted and rebellious against, their, against the Lord, against the Lord's servant, Moses. Though he encountered God directly in powerful ways, and though he shone all the more brightly after these encounters, these amazing experiences and transformations led him into greater hardship and adversity. 
Moses spoke to God directly and was changed for the better from the experience. But his life remained one of great difficulty and struggle. Likewise, Jesus was transfigured on the mountain before the eyes of his disciples, with Moses and Elijah by his side. But he was about to experience incredible suffering and sacrifice. Like Moses before him, his transfiguration in the presence of the Almighty did not mean that his life was going to be easy or grand. In fact, it would prove to be quite the opposite. He was about to face all the evils this world has ever known. And we get a gl glimpse of this from our passage for today. As Luke tells it, the day after all this occurred, Jesus was met by a crowd and confronted by a man whose son had a demonic spirit. Jesus went from his mountaintop experience with God in his holy moment of transfiguration directly to facing down the evil spirits of this world. Jesus did not receive the light of God on the mountain so he could just stay, stay up there and bask in the glory of it all. No. Instead, he received the light of God on the mountain so he could bring it down to shine on the evil and darkness of this world below. <clears throat> like most of the world, I was horrified to see, up, see Europe descend into war once again when Russia invaded the Ukraine on Thursday. Perhaps just as alarming, Vladimir Putin used the exact same justification for his invasion of their neighbors as the Third Reich used when it began invading Germany's neighbors back in the 1930s. Beyond the politics and global jockeying of resources and all that we hear about in the news, this was a significant injustice that is now unleashing and compounding greater evil in the world. This violence will only beget more violence. And our church categorically rejects this evil by calling on Russia to leave the war path and restore peace. These events prove that once again, that while Christ was transfigured on our behalf, the world was not. The demons that Jesus faced when he came down from the, from the mountain still roam freely over the earth. Lust for power, greed for gain, ambition for control, desires to dominate. All still threaten to vanquish the image of God in our neighbors and sow discord and chaos instead of peace and prosperity. Strides that we and our allies have made towards respecting human rights, national sovereignty, and equality throughout the world seem to have only gotten us so far especially in the face of global despots with nuclear arsenals at hand. There's much evil that we still need God to save us from. And we pray that our Lord's mercy be upon the Ukrainian people and upon the rest of the world, too. Today we remember, especially in the face of awakened forces of evil and adversity, that Christ was transfigured precisely for moments like these. He radiated with the light of God on the mountain, 
so he could come down and shine light on the darkness that envelops us. He was touched by the hand of God so that he could grab the evils which seize us and throw them to the ground instead. He was transfigured before the eyes of his mystified disciples so that he could make a way through the wilderness of this world, paths that we cannot cut for ourselves. And he was transfigured to bring about a peace that the world <clears throat> cannot gain for itself, a peace that is longer lasting than any we can make on our own. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.